Before we get started, a quick program note. If you like this podcast and want to find out more about the issues that we dive into on our episodes, make sure to check out our weekly EdSurge podcast newsletter. You can find that at edsurge.com. Click on the word newsletters at the top right. And while you're there, you can sign up for our other EdSurge newsletters as well from our team of journalists. Okay, now to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the EdSurge podcast, where every week we look at the future of learning. I am Jeff Young, a reporter and the managing editor here at EdSurge. America is getting more and more diverse, but you wouldn't know it by looking at the makeup of public school teachers, who are overwhelmingly white. Over the past two years, the nonprofit Digital Promise has been leading research into why schools have found it so difficult to recruit and retain teachers of color. And the group's been talking to teachers of color in districts around the country to find out new approaches that might work better. Our position is that there's no better expert to understand how to recruit and retain a teacher of color than a teacher of color. That's Kimberly Smith. She's Chief Inclusive Innovation Officer at Digital Promise, and she co-leads the group's Center for Inclusive Innovation. And she's our guest today. I was curious to hear more about what ideas and models that the group's research has surfaced and how the pandemic has changed things. Smith brings a rich perspective to her work, including a past stint as vice president of education at PBS, where she launched a digital curriculum and teacher support service in partnership with school districts and states. I started our conversation by asking Kimberly Smith what her group found in their research Yeah, so when we think about the barriers uh, that are impeding the recruitment and retention of teachers of color, there are certain factors that that rise to the the surface. Um, The first one is uh, you think about students of color, right? Because one clear pipeline for teachers of color is is students of color. Uh, And the understanding of the students of color and their experience in school, uh, and whether or not that it's a, that's been an experience of belonging, right, of trust, of of identity, where students can be their authentic self. So one of the challenges is that, you know, the culture of school um, is can be challenging for students of color, and therefore a uh, a demotivating factor for students to want to go into teaching. So we have to start all the way back in high school to understand the pipeline challenge. Getting beyond high school into college, we know that college is expensive, right? We know that college can be a non-starter for low-income and and today even middle-income families. Uh, So uh, the expense of college is is a challenge. Um, And also think about the um, students graduating college and then going into certification programs and the barriers around certification that have to do with the cost, uh, but also um, assessment bias. Uh, And so the reality is that there are barriers at kind of every point of the pipeline that are- Wow, you're talking about at different pieces of of kind of cultural baggage or whatever you wanna call it, or like systemic uh, blockades. That's correct, that's correct. And it's everything from the student's experience, right, in school, all the way to the expense and the barriers um, to the teaching certification pathway. Uh, And so just trying to think about um, the teachers of color in our work focused a great deal 
on how do you address those barriers. And they developed 22 concepts to support um, and to address the barriers in, in recruitment and retention. And so, um, you know, I was in a, uh, I just uh, was in a, actually a, f- a focus group of teachers of color last night. And, you know, one of the pieces that was really clear is that, you know, they know that there are opportunities and that there are students in communities that would be really eager to be teachers, right? The community is, is part of the school, right? And so they, they believe that there are opportunities to spur the pipeline, but we just need the right programs, the right supports, um, the right culture to really enable that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked with, um, for, the, for a podcast episode last year, I talked to Marcus Flynn of a, a, a nonprofit called Black Men Teach, who was talking about his own story and also, which really was specific, to, to very much these barriers you're describing and what it is that, that sort of how welcome from the get-go the teaching profession looks and or doesn't look um depending on how your school goes and so um you know one of the things that nonprofit does is try to really focus on the salary piece and try to help you know kind of pay grants so to speak to supplement income or to help the teaching profession match some of the other things more lucrative things that somebody you know, a talented person could do instead. Um, how much? How much did you find salary as a barrier? Huge, yeah, huge. And thanks for naming that piece and that conversation because, you know, you think about a lot of students of color live in uh, maybe predominantly urban areas, and we see what's happening with urban areas today, right? Cost of living in urban areas is just you know going through the roof. And so, if I'm a teacher. And I live in Washington, D.C., right? If I'm a teacher of color and I'm coming out of college with a starting salary of, you know, $35,000 and I need to leave, live in the vicinity of, you know, Washington, D.C., it's, it's so difficult to do. And so um, students do really understand that from an earning potential perspective that they're also thinking about their own livelihood in a livable wage and teaching, uh, at least when you're coming at the beginning, right, the, the starting point of teaching, uh, doesn't offer that right now, particularly if you're living in urban areas. You mentioned, I believe, 22 um, sort of tips or, or advice pieces. Is that something that came out of this research then, or is that a separate? But and, and what are some of these, you know, solutions, if you will, or or you know, levers people can and organizations can try to to pull. <laughs> Yeah, we had um, a lot of ideas that emerged, uh, and I think some of the areas that uh, I would like to highlight uh, first have to do with the the culture of the district and uh, ensuring that the culture is really inclusive, supportive, encouraging, welcoming of teachers and students of color. And so there were a number of, of ideas around how to build that culture. Uh, you know, I think the, the ideas start with the, the sense that you, we need to have teachers of color at the table in the co-design role. Um, one of the, the focus group that I was listening to last night, a teacher of color said, you know, I am, it's, it's important for me to be at the table, right? My voice to be heard. You know, I want to be a co-designer of the culture. 
And, and so bringing teachers of color all the way into that space, working with administrators, right, bringing students of colors into the, into the space to design, co-design the culture was one of the pieces that they raised. Um, hiring committees, right, diversity around hiring committees and hiring approaches. Uh, you know, a lot of school districts will think that they can reach out to an HBCU and um, open up the pipeline there. But there are a lot of non-traditional networks where, um, where that are centered around um, uh, supporting people of color, whether it's sororities or fraternities. And the, the piece of this that they underscored is that you have to establish authentic relationships right, with these networks in order to support um, an ongoing diverse pipeline, right? It's 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 not just sending a job ad to some job board of some right. group you don't even that's know. Right. right, exactly, right. Uh, so, how do you establish those types of relationships? And so, and as an example, uh, this is a, a a charter network that's part of our um, our league, uh, but they have actually created they've co- they're co locating, right? HBCU. Um, um, education school uh, offices in their in their facility, right? So the partnership goes way beyond you know the job board, right? It, it goes into uh, literally sitting side by side, right, to plan to plan the pipeline. And the last thing I'll mention is grow your own programs. So the idea that local communities um, have pathways for students to learn and build skills and become educators, and students want to stay in their communities. So how do you work within the community to build these grow your own programs? Uh, so those are some. Do you mean from the student level? Like at what level does that from start? From the student level. Yeah, from the student level. Right. So you build mentorship, like kind of teacher mentorship programs within the community. You build pathways from even think about middle school, right, where students start to learn about what it means to teach and and you do that within the community space. There are so many teachers in the community, grandmothers, aunties, right? Moms and dads within these communities. And so you already have teaching happening in the informal space. So create some pathways that allow that informal, right? To to encourage students to go into formal teaching. Uh that was another idea that emerged that I thought was um exciting to hear. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And you know, are there schools that you know of doing that? Yeah, absolutely. We have, um, we have, uh, there are uh, districts. So in our project, we have six school districts across the country that are engaging in this work. Um, and some of the districts that are doing this work are Princeton City uh, and Middletown City Schools in Ohio. Uh, we've got the folks out in um, Avonworth School District, Hamp- Hampton Township in Pittsburgh. Uh, so there's there are a number of districts that are looking at kind of grow your own initiative, teacher mentorship initiative, teacher of color network initiatives, trying to build the relationship piece. Uh, and then one of the districts that I love to highlight because their program is is running and it's very robust is the Premier 100 program in Richland, two school districts in South Carolina, where Superintendent Baron Davis, his goal was to recruit 100 black male teachers. Right over uh, three years, in his first year, he recruited fifty, and he he does it through this brotherhood. The Premier One Hundred is a brotherhood. So when you join as an African American male teacher, 
you have a um, a network, a very deep right support network, so that even if you're dealing with some of the issues of inequity and, and racism in in the district, you have a place to go, a safe space. Um, and and he has seen a tremendous response to his Premier 100 initiative um, in South Carolina. That's that's a great example. Thanks for for sharing that. And we can we can put a link to that in the show notes to get people can dig into more information. It sounds like. So um, I did want to talk about the pandemic and the impact to the teaching profession that we've seen since you started that research two years ago. And so there was already a problem already a challenge that you're addressing with, you know, um, the, the demographic makeup of the teaching core in, in this country. And then you have the pandemic and a spiral of, of things that have happened since of economic insecurity, um, especially for groups that were already disadvantaged financially. Um, we have a, a, a really a reckoning about race and systemic racism in this country and big discussions about that, um, but also a big awareness of, of of problems that were always there, but people are, are and maybe were exacerbated by the pandemic. And so, um, you know, we are seeing and we're writing about here at Ed Surge teacher burnout of, you know, from all kinds of teachers, teachers of all types. What, what are, are there any specific pieces of advice or or findings that you're seeing? about how the pandemic and its follow-on effects are are just making it worse. Because as you're trying to get new pro- teachers into the profession, we have teachers leaving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, I think, you know, teaching is such a beautiful craft. Uh, it's art, it's science, it's, uh, and, and, you know, I believe that there's a, you know, an expertise in teaching. Uh, and, I, you know, when I think over the past, you know, couple of years and the level of teacher burnout, the emotional toll that teachers are taking on both personally, just uh, their personal families, um, and also being, um, feeling like they need to be stewards of students' well-being. Like, it just um, weighs heavy. Uh, you think about the not just the emotional toll, but the the factors just within the job itself, right? The politics of masking and vaccines, the the literal flip that teachers had to make within seventy two hours to be a hundred percent virtual, coming back into school, and um, coming back into school to find out that twenty thirty percent of the staff is is no longer there. Uh, and this also sense that there's a general underappreciation of, of teachers. And so there's a whole kind of set of factors that have brought us to where we are today um, with a, a teaching population, like you said, in general, who has just reached a point of, um, you know, feeling defeated and, and not supported. And what I marvel at, honestly, Jeff, is that is that there are teachers that are still teaching, right? That there are teachers that are um, still, they have that passion, they that commitment um, to the students, and that they're still in this, despite all of the factors. 
you know, I think that um, at the core of teaching is relationship, and it's relationship with students. And teachers many times value that over everything, even the salary that they're being paid. And I, when I think about the work we're doing with teachers of color, and just last night, I was, as I mentioned, I was on a focus group with about 15 teachers of color. Um, you know, they are, they are in, getting inspiration from, not surprisingly, their students, but also from each other. And in a, in a way, almost like the bonding and the connection that has taken place over the past two years just amongst teachers has been really powerful. Uh, so I, I think that the relationship between students and the relationship amongst teachers is, is keeping those that have remained in, in the, in the profession. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm concerned honestly, that we're, that there's not really kind of rallying around, you know, teacher health and well-being, that that's not happening. I'm not seeing that emerge in a way that um, I think is, will create a sustainable um, kind of teaching population going forward. You know, how, how big an impact might that have on the inclusion piece? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um you know, the, there are so many opportunities for teachers to think about other ways in which they can teach and support children that are outside of school. Uh, and I, I know that teachers of color are looking at ways to, to think about how they can, you know, engage with nonprofits, engage with other organizations uh, that kind of take them out of the compliance structured, you know, the biased cultures, right, you know, take them out of these elements that they're having to deal with on a day to day basis. So, you know, I, you know, I, I do hope that we are able to kind of build on the strength of the relationships that teachers have with each other to to kind of keep them motivated and in this work. Uh, but, you know, what I've been seeing is a lot of teachers kind of looking elsewhere for how they can teach and be recognized and celebrated. And uh, teachers of color kind of looking elsewhere for, for those opportunities. So, you know, I'm trying to keep optimistic because I do see, like last night, you know, you sit in one of these conversations and listen to them and I get inspired and I'm, you know, and I feel like, okay, okay, this can work. We're still here. Um, so we're we're continuing to do this work in the Premier 100 in, in South Carolina. You've got the Western PA Teacher Network that we're spinning up this fall in in Pittsburgh. You've got so these efforts are going to help us uh, navigate this, but we have to surround them with love and caring and and you know kind of embracing, or we'll lose them. Honestly, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, it's kind of importance of this of this moment as a yes. potential uh, turning point either way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. We are at uh, a place where uh, we could uh, either support their um, continued to ca capacity to thrive, or you know, end up in a situation where we have less and less of a percentage of, of teachers of color in the field. So my hope is that these pilots that we're doing with these six districts, all six of them will launch this fall. 
and they're everything from creating um, early childhood credentialed pathways and smoothing out the credential pathway uh, to launching teacher networks, to teacher mentorship programs, to grow your own programs, uh, to launching a black male fellowship in the state of Ohio. Uh, these ideas, I think, will will create uh, kind of kind of rebuild that foundation, right? That we need to take this work forward. There's a there's a topic I was curious to ask you about. I I don't want it to to seem like it's not serious, but I've been watching this this show on network television, Abbott Elementary. And it's it depicts a a school in Philadelphia that and and it it you know there's a lot of problems with the school and it's like a comedy but there's a lot of um, kind of interesting um, things that I've seen about teacher portrayal that I haven't seen in other shows. I know you had a background in working in TV in, in PBS right in public television before you you came to Digital Promise. I just am curious if you've seen that show and if and what you is there. Because some of the things to me are also like, how do you change some of these narratives and perception of teaching, whether it's through, you know, that show or others? And like, how much how much do you think, you know, um, there's the view of teaching, um, you know, kind of needs a boost? And, and what what are shows? What are the role of, of pop culture in that, if any? Yeah, interesting question. You know, I um, so it's on my list. Abbott Elementary is on my list. I got a long list of you know shows to watch. I've heard a little bit about it. Um, and I, uh, you know, I think you're right. I mean, I, in working in, in public media uh, and um, in my time there at PBS and understanding kind of um, the opportunity that we had, a, we launched a, an initiative called PBS Teachers when I was at PBS. And, uh, and it was one of the most just gratifying, kind of awesome experiences uh, to uh, uh, see teachers, you know, across the country be proud, mm. right? Um, proud to wear, right? To kind of voice and speak about, to show, right, what they were doing in, um, in their work, right? Because what's happening in the classroom, like that's magic. That's straight up magic, right? And and there has to be a mechanism to show that magic because I, you know, it's funny to me how everyone can name at least one, if not three, teachers that change their life or change their perspective, and and yet, you know, we, um, you know, we we are a society that seems to kind of take that that magic for granted. So. So at PBS, we were able to kind of, you know, celebrate, right? Uh, celebrate teachers. And what was great about that is that public television stations obviously have a local footprint. And so not only can you kind of celebrate them nationally, but how about their, the local kind of, you know, celebration? Cause that's where the heart and soul of school is and, and learning is. And so anyway, sure. I would love to see, you know, some effort. Uh, to support uh, kind of this, the idea of the, the celebrating, the showing, the voicing, the, the pride of teaching to come, come back into play um, in, in, our, in, our, in our world and in our sector. I'd love to be a part of that. So now you have me thinking. That's great. Yeah, and I know one of the stories we covered um, in the last year has been about these Chinese 
um, tutoring companies that were employing a lot of U.S. teachers who were working as a side gig tutoring um, kids via video, kids in China. And one of the things that we heard from the teachers who did this was the cultural difference in how teachers were viewed and how they were feeling like, you know, here was a place they were celebrated as teachers and, and given a lot of respect. And it was obviously there was a financial benefit to doing a side gig, but there was also this kind of like, oh, wow, these parents were showing them this kind of love and appreciation that they felt like they weren't getting in the States in their context. So I, that was something kind of an interesting reminder of that that different places do have different views of teaching and, and different uh, cultural kind of res- uh, levels of, of, I don't know, yeah, what it is, like respect and and the narratives around what it means to be a teacher. Yeah. And last night, I remember this woman, uh, this teacher caller, had, she said this statement. She said, you know, ultimately, I don't feel valued. I feel micromanaged. And she said, and the irony is that I'm a highly educated person. I have an expertise. Like, I, you know, I have a, I have a talent, and yet I'm told to be quiet. And it just made me hurt to hear that because, you know, they they need to be able to shine, you know, and... Um, and because they're doing work every day that, that, you know, we've all gone through school. We know, we know, we've seen the magic. We've felt the magic. We've, some of our lives have been changed by, by teachers. And so, so, you know, I think that there's, um, there's a, there's an opportunity there, uh, you know, and I, and for me, you know, I think that I just, you know, from where I sit, you know, my goal is at the end of the day, uh, that teachers are creators, they're designers of their own experience, of their own, you know, culture. If we can get there, that will be one way that we can celebrate who they are, that they don't have to be quiet anymore. That's great. Well, thank you so much for for being here today and for sharing the research and and some of the advice from, from your work. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. This has been the Ed Surge Podcast. Every week, we bring you conversations like this one. If you like the show, please follow the Ed Surge Podcast on whatever podcast app that you're listening to. And please take a minute to leave us a rating or a review. This episode was written and produced by me, Jeff Young. And you can find me on Twitter at J.R. Young. You can also shoot me an email. I'm at jeff at edsurge.com. Music this episode by Rowan Jane. We'll be back next week with more on the future of learning. Thanks for listening.